Father, do ask for the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, you'd enable us to receive what you have for us today, that you'd cause us, Lord, to look more and more like the body of Christ you want us to be for this community and for this world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, some of you have jobs that you hate. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I want you to understand today that there are worse jobs than yours. In fact, I think I've discovered the five worst jobs on planet Earth. And I want to walk you through them. You ready? Here is the fifth worst job on planet Earth. Go ahead and look at the slide. That is a pet food taster. So how'd you like to do that? Every morning, wake up and you get to test more pet food that just hit the market. All right, but there's worse than that. Here's the fourth worst job in the world. That is a gun range target holder. Now, you're hoping that they are better shots, but there's worse jobs than that. Here's the third worst job. This is an underarm deodorant smell tester. Wake up each morning excited about the day. Here's the second worst job in the world. This is a Bangladesh sewer cleaner. But there's one worse. You ready for the worst job in the world? Okay, here it is. Next slide. I don't even know what you call that. <laughs> a human instrumental elephant colonoscopy or something. I don't know what you call it. But that's got to be the worst job in the world. But what if... You were actually created by God and shaped by God to do a job, to do a ministry that you love to do and that you are good at. And there was definitely, you were making a difference by what you did. Well, the truth of the matter is, that is the case. God put you on this earth for a reason. Now, before an architect designs a building, he's going to ask you the question, what is the purpose of the building? Because he wants to design a building that will accomplish your purpose. So before he determines the form of the building, he wants to know the function of the building. Well, the same is true with us. Before God created us, he decided what role, what function we would play on the earth. And he shaped us exactly like we needed to be shaped for that particular ministry. So God deliberately formed you, shaped you in order to serve him. So you were shaped by Christ for Christ. In fact, I want to go ahead and unpack that some by using the word shape as an acrostic in each letter, really meaning part of how God has formed you, how he shaped you. S stands for spiritual gifts. 
you have at least one. If you're a believer in Christ, as the Savior and Lord of your life, you have at least one spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit has come to live in you, and you have at least one supernatural endowment, empowerment from God to do ministry. You may not know what it is yet, but you have it. H stands for heart, heart passions, things that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, that you're drawn to, excited about. It's in you. Your dreams might have been dashed by some a parent, a teacher, or somebody, but I believe that dream's still in you, that heart passion. What is it that affects what you do? A stands for abilities. There are certain abilities that God has given you that also are signposts to your ministry. P stands for personality type. There's a certain personality that you've been given, and God wants to use you with your personality. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. And E stands for experiences, certain life experiences that you've gone through that have helped shape you a certain way. And no person on planet Earth has the exact same shape. There's no person on planet Earth that has the same spiritual gifts, heart, passions, abilities, personality type, and life experiences. There's not. You are unique. And God has shaped you for a purpose. Most Christians have never been taught this. And I think they've been ripped off by not being taught this. Most Christians have been taught that they're just to be part of an audience when really God created us to be part of an army. And so I want to walk through these letters. Let's unpack this a little bit. S stands for spiritual gifts. You have at least one. It says it four different places in the New Testament that you have at least one. Let's look at one of those places right here. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one, talking about believers here, as each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards, stewards or managers of the manifold grace of God. So you have been given a spiritual gift, a supernatural empowerment from God to do something in service for him on the earth. Wow. I tell you what, this is one of the most untaught truths in the Christian church around the world. The Apostle Paul says, I would not that you were ignorant about spiritual gifts. And yet there's probably nothing that the church is more ignorant about than spiritual gifts. You have one, and part of how God wants to use you is using that spiritual gift. Now, an unopened gift is worthless. I want to illustrate this to you. I, uh, I got a volunteer. Sebastian, wherever you are, come on up here, would you? Sebastian, make your way on up. Come on up here. Now, I'm going to give Sebastian a gift. This gift hasn't yet been opened. Now, Sebastian, thank you for being willing to volunteer. I'm not going to hurt you. Come a little closer. Okay, <laughs> I want to give you this gift. Now, now, I just have one condition. You just have to use that, what's in there, to bless you and one other person. Are you willing to do that? Okay. Now, are you excited about this at this point? You, but you don't even know what it is yet, right? Okay. Now, at this point, this, this gift is not worth anything to you because you don't even know what it is. Go ahead and open it. Okay, now he's taking an unopened gift, and he's opening it. And in that gift, guess what? You get a piece of Tupperware. <laughs> open up that Tupperware. 
Okay, what is that? A hundred dollar bill. Now, is that something that can bless you and bless one other person? Yeah. But see, there was no value in that gift to bless him or someone else until he opened it. And now he's got it. Give Sebastian a hand. Thanks, Sebastian. Now, next time I ask for volunteers, I think I'll have more volunteers. An, un- an unopened gift is worthless. And it's crucial that we know what our gifts is, our gifts, and that we're actively using them. Some of you have gifts that you've never used. They're unopened. You've never used them. Some of you have gifts and abilities that you have prematurely retired. You used to use them, but you don't anymore. Let me just say, if you're still breathing, you should be using your gifts. You and I are going to stand before Christ one day at the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have to give an account to him for what we did with what he gave us. One of the things he gave each one of us is a spiritual gift. So we need to know what it is, and we need to put it to use. Again, if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you have at least one. You might not have ever heard this before, or you might have heard it, but you still don't know what it is. But you have one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, here's another verse where it says this truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, but to each one of us, there it is again, each believer, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he goes on in that passage to talk about spiritual gifts. We've been given different ones, each one of us. And your spiritual gift is essential to the functioning of the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of a human body to explain how the church is supposed to work. He says, just like a human body has different members, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, hands, feet, all these different parts. And if the human body, all these different parts do their part, then the body can do great things. Well, the church, Paul uses this metaphor to describe that we are also different parts of the body of Christ. As we do our part, it we fulfill our function, use our gifts and abilities, then the body of Christ can do great things. Let's read this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting verse 14. It says, For the body is not one member but many. He's talking about a human body. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, kind of a gross thought, big eye rolling around. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, remember, talking about a human body, each one of them in the body just as he desired. And now he's transitioning to this metaphor of the church, this passage. And that's how he made the church. Each one of you is a part 
of the body of Christ. And if we do our function, then the body can do great things. Let me illustrate this for a second. Now, I've got, this is going to represent a human body. Now, it's actually a fall decoration because we all want fall to come quickly. Amen. Now, uh, this is a female. The first service was a male, so I want you to know I'm giving equal time up here. Okay, but if, if each part of this body, again, we're looking at the human body, does its part, then this body can do great things. But what if part of the body says, I don't want to, I'm not going to use, you do my part. And so the hand says, no, I'm not going to be part of the body. Well, now we're limited, aren't we? What we can do. What if the arms, the other hand says, I don't want to be part of it either. What if the nose, the nose says, no, I'm not going to do my part. I'm tired of smelling around here. And the nose doesn't do its part. What if the heart decides it won't do its part anymore? So I'm tired of beating around here, and I'm not going to do my part. Can you begin to see how if every part doesn't do its part, before you know it, this body can't do anything, much of anything? Well, that's really the problem. What has happened, I think, to, to much of the church around the world is there's so many who do not do their part. They don't realize they're part of an army. They think they're part of an audience, so they just come. They listen, and they do nothing. They don't use their gifts. They don't use their abilities for the glory of Christ. And as a result of that, what happens is the body of Christ can't do very much. So you have a part. You have a function in which God wants to use you to do your part. So my question is, do you know what your part is? Do you know what function God has made you for? Are you fulfilling that function? See, you're thinking, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, how do I find out? Well, the way you find out what your spiritual gift is is by to begin serving. Just begin to try some different ministries and begin to serve, and God is going to ricochet you into your calling. You'll begin to discover what it is that you do well, what it is you like to do, and what it is God seems to be using to bless other people. But the way not to find your spiritual gift is not to do any ministry. Don't try anything. Don't, don't ever volunteer, sign up for any ministry today. Just go to work, come home, veg in front of the TV, do that every day, and come back next Sunday to hear another message that you're not going to do. That's how you f- don't find out your gift. And so today you get a great chance to do this. You get to go across the parking lot to the ministry fair and see all, and this is going to be festive. There's free food. You're going to see all these ministries. There's 50 55 zero ministries that you can go around and ask people questions about how you might be involved in that. Some of you need to try a different ministry than you've ever tried before. And if it, and if it doesn't work, don't call it a failure. Call it an experiment. Because every one of you is good at something. But it's going to take some trial and error to figure out what it is. So after we dismiss in just a moment, walk across the parking lot to the ministry fair. If you've got kids in venture line, pick them up first. Take them with you and be part of the ministry fair because it's going to be a great opportunity for you to really find out your part, what function you have. All right, so S stands for spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual gifts. Okay, H stands for heart, heart passion, something that you're passionate about. 
I mean, it's, it's that bundle of desires and hopes and interests and ambitions and dreams, affections, something that when you think about, you really get excited about, something you're interested in. You have certain heart passions. And many of us have had kind of our, our passions, our dreams, you know, put out, snuffed out by maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach, maybe, a, you know, somebody else in the neighborhood. But, something, but there's something you dream of doing, and they said, oh, you can never do that. And so you stop dreaming. I urge you to dream again. In fact, here's a dream exercise for you. I just lay down in your bed at night and think, if I had all the money that Elon Musk and Bill Gates and everybody, all those billionaires have, and I had it all and I could do anything for God, what would I do? And you begin to think like that, you can take some of the restrictions off that kill your dreams and, and find out what it is you'd like to do. And then bring it down, obviously, to a lower level and begin to volunteer in that area. Or you could do this today. See, we have 50 ministries represented over there, and that's not even all of them. But perhaps there's a ministry that God's put in your heart that we're not doing here. There's going to be something called the Dream Zone over there. You see a big banner that says Dream Zone. I'll be standing by it. And you can come right out your dream. And every year, we begin to find three or four people that have the same dream of a ministry that we're not doing, and we start a new ministry. You know you know how ministries have started? You know how those 50 started? They started by the body of Christ all believing that they had a calling, that they could do ministry. And then the leadership, not responsible for all ministry, the leadership helps facilitate that, resource that, encourage that. But it's the people who do the ministry. And so you are a minister of God. You have a calling. You need to find out what it is. And if it's something we're not yet doing, write it out. Tell it to me. And we want to see if God is not going to, at this time, start another new ministry. He does it every year. Every year we see new ministries. So M S stands for spiritual gifts. Say spiritual gifts. H stands for heart passions. Say heart passions. Okay, A stands for abilities. There are certain abilities that you, are, that, you know, that you can do that God wants to use in your life, not just for your job, but for ministry. You have certain abilities that also are signposts to God's calling on your life. God tends to match our calling with our capabilities. So what are some of your abilities that God has given you? Too many men and women, they, they use all their great gifts and abilities in the workplace, and then they come to the church and they become part of the audience. They stop initiating. They stop using their gifts and abilities. Don't do that. We desperately need you to use your abilities for the glory of Christ in his church. Now, let me tell you a story. It's a silly story, but it makes a point. It's a story about the animals in a forest decided to have a school. And in the school, there was going to be four classes that all the animals had to take. These four classes were simply these four classes, running, climbing, swimming, and flying. Running, climbing, swimming, flying, all the animals, regardless of what animal you are, you have to take all four classes. So the school starts, and the duck, the duck who was a great swimmer, was also required to take the class in running. In fact, because he was not a very good runner, they made him stay after school and run extra. In the process of running extra, his webbed feet became all frail and damaged, and he no longer was even a good swimmer. And so now the duck isn't good at anything because they tried to make him good at everything. And then there was a rabbit. Now, the rabbit was the top of his class at running, but because he was a bad swimmer, he had to stay after school and do swimming. 
and he kept swimming and swimming, and he eventually caught pneumonia. And then he missed school, and then he failed. And then there was the squirrel. The squirrel was a great uh, climber, but he didn't, too good at, didn't do too good at flying because the, the flying instructor said, you must start from the ground in flying. You can't go to the top of the tree before you fly. So the squirrel wasn't a very good flyer from the bottom up. And finally, the eagle. The eagle was a problem student. He had to be disciplined because he was a nonconformist. For instance, the climbing class, he refused to do it their way. He just flew to the top. They said, no, that's not how you do it. He said, that's how I do it. They said, you're expelled from school. Now, obviously, this is a silly, silly illustration, but the point is this. God designed specific animals with specific abilities, and they're good at those things. He designed them to do. Well, God did the same thing for us. He designed us with certain things that we're good at and lots of things we're crummy at. But there's something good, there's something for every one of us that we're good at, and we need to find out what it is. So we have S stands for spiritual gifts. Say spiritual gifts. H, heart passions. A, abilities. P stands for personality, certain personality type. Now, God made you with a certain personality, and he wants to use you as you. God doesn't expect you to be somebody else. Aren't you glad? God doesn't expect you, if you're an introvert, to psych up and be an extrovert. Kind of like kickstarting a motorcycle. Oh, God. Oh, God. Trying to be something you're not. I mean, if, if every time you do a, a certain ministry, you're, you almost hyperventilate, that's probably not what you've been graced to do. Okay, but, but there are things that your personality fits with. God wants you to be you. So the pressure's off to try to be anybody else. P stands for personality. Finally, E. E stands for experiences, life experiences. The experiences that you've been through in life, regardless of your age, we've all been through lots of experiences already. Those experiences have shaped you. They have formed you. Think of some of those. Why did you grow up in the family you grew up in? And what did you experience and how did that shape you? Why did you uh, go to the schools you went to? Why did you have the teachers you had? Why did you have the jobs you had and how did those shape you? Why did you go through the painful experiences you've gone through? By the way, we could tell stories all day long of all the pain that's happened in this room. Why did, you, why did God allow all this pain? It shaped you. By the way, sometimes your, your painful experiences might actually end up birthing your most powerful ministry. So you have been shaped by your life experiences. And no one's had the exact same life experiences, so nobody's the same exact shape. But God is a redeeming God. And even the things we went through in this fallen, sin-sick world that God is saving us from, that he's, he may have permitted it, but he didn't necessarily promote it, even all those things God will still redeem for his glory and honor and our good, all of us who know Christ. So think about this. You've been shaped to serve God. In fact, you will be most effective in your ministry by using your spiritual gifts and your abilities in the area of your heart passion 
that best expresses your personality and life experience. So you have a ministry that you have been shaped for. I tell you, the first time I understood this is as a young believer in college, it blew my mind. Really? Really, God, you have shaped me to do something? And so begin to realize that you have a calling, you have a ministry, and it's unique to you. In just a moment, you're going to get a chance to go across the parking lot and see all kinds of ways you can experiment, ways you can volunteer. Some of you are already involved in ministry. Go over anyway, encourage other people to find their ministry. Some of you are involved in ministry, and maybe you need to also experiment in some others. Because I think you may, you may have some gifts you've never even used. But here's the deal. The church is not an audience. We're an army. When our kids were young, Tracy and I uh, took our kids to Washington, D.C. We camped the whole way up the East Coast to campgrounds and went to, the, went to Washington, D.C. We wanted our kids to have this educational experience. We took them to the monuments, to, to all the different museums and so forth. And one morning I told the kids, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to the Pentagon because Daddy wants to take this tour. I mean, the kids were like bored out of their mind. We're going to the Pentagon? But we did it. And, and we went through this whole tour, and I loved it. I loved it because of the clarity. Everybody knew their job. Everybody knew their part. Everybody knew how they fit in the whole, and everybody worked together for a greater goal than themselves. And I thought, how awesome is this? But it also saddened me because I thought, as we were leaving, I thought, and the Church of Jesus Christ is the most important army on planet Earth. And most people in the Church of Jesus Christ, it's not only that they don't know what their job is, most don't even know they have a job. They've never been taught that. And do you know why so many Christians have never been taught that? Throughout church history, the clergy, the clergy, the priests, ministers, pastors, actually enforced it by teaching people by their actions that they did all the work, they did all the ministry, they did the heavy lifting. You just come listen and behave yourself. What a disservice that has been to the church throughout church history. You are an army. Every one of you has a calling here. Every one of you has been shaped by God for God. And how do you discover it? By trial and error. You get out there, volunteer, serve, and you begin to find your niche. Now, before we dismiss and everybody gets, goes across there, and if you have children, make sure you get your children before you go across there. I have one more illustration that's really important I want you to get. Okay, I want you to see right here, I have a work glove and I have a Bible that I want this work glove to pick up. Now, this work glove has been shaped to work. It has been stitched a certain way. It's got certain kinds of rubber and plastic so you don't bang your knuckles. It's everything about this so you don't get calluses. This, whole, this glove has been designed to work, shaped to work. That is its function. That's what it was designed to do. It's a work glove. All right? Glove? Pick up that Bible. Come on. Pick it up. What's the problem here? Well, maybe what the glove needs is some inspiration, some encouragement. Hey, glove, you were made for this. 
You were made. You were designed for this. Pick up that Bible. You can do it. I believe in you. Nothing. Maybe what the glove needs is some discipleship, some training. Okay, what you do is you take your finger and your thumb, and you push them together, and you squeeze, and you lift. All right? You've been trained now. Pick up the Bible. Nothing. I know what that glove needs. That glove needs some fellowship. It needs some other gloves. It needs to hang around with other gloves and, and really just be blessed by that community. All right, glove, you've got this fellowship. Pick up the Bible. Nothing. I know what this glove needs. It needs rededication. It needs to make a commitment. So we're going to ask all these gloves to just walk the aisle, raise your hand, be baptized. All right, glove, pick up the Bible. Nothing. That glove will not be able to pick up the Bible until a human hand fills it and empowers it. And then that glove, empowered by this human hand, can pick up the Bible. Now, I want this image in your mind because you've been shaped to serve God. You have, every one of you have. But if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be able to be used by God. So before we dismiss to walk over and check out all these opportunities, these potential experiments you can try in ministry and just have fun over there, before we do that, we're going to close our service by praying for the Holy Spirit to freshly fill each one of us and use us. So let's all stand as we close in prayer. Let me just invite you to hold your hands out like your palms up like you're receiving something. Physical posture sometimes helps us in our spirit. So let's just possession, position ourselves to receive from God. Father, we recognize that we cannot do this any ministry without your empowerment. We thank you for the gifts and ability, but Lord, we ask you to fill us fresh with your spirit today. Would you anoint us for ministry? Lord, we just yield ourselves to you. Would you cleanse us, Lord? We, we turn away from all our self-centeredness, all of our pride. We ask you, Lord, would you fill us today and use us for your glory and honor because that's what you made us for. So we ask you to do that. And right now we just receive from you in the name of Jesus. Now, let me just pray one more thing before we go. Father, I, just, I pray now you would lead everyone by your sovereign hand, by your divine providence, there would be conversations that you would just go ahead and, and cause to happen, that you would orchestrate connections, that you would just, Lord, even though it looks totally haphazard, that you'd be leading and guiding and placing people in ministry. We ask you to do that. We trust you to do that. And we pray this is a great blessing. I pray nobody would think they're just a spectator anymore, that we're all participants in kingdom work. Let that be so, Lord, in greater and greater measure, Grace Community Church. And through Grace Community Church, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. amen. God bless you. Ministry fair. Cross the parking lot. Pick up your kids. Bless you guys.